What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us on the HR Impact Show. This is your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. Why is a bias for action and speed critical for building a high-performance organization? Today, we are going to answer this question. And the person that's gonna help us answer that question is joining us today. He's currently the head of technology at Premier International, a data migration and data governance organization based in Chicago. He is a longtime vet of the IT space. So he's been in uh, tech since 1999. He's got experience in just about every aspect of IT, most of it from a management perspective. One of the things that he's passionate about is how tech can be a partner to the business versus just a cost center. Don Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you. Looking forward to your perspective in this conversation. Don comes at this conversation from the perspective of an IT leader. So it's going to be really interesting. Before we dive into the topic of building a high-performance team, why don't you fill us in on anything that you feel is important for the listeners to know about your background that I didn't cover in your bio? Uh, you've covered a lot. When I say that I've, I've been in every aspect of tech, it quite literally means everything from building the computers from the ground up to creating software, mobile devices, and things of that nature. Moving into leadership, that was probably the point at which I, I would say my career really took a turn. and started at least personally to provide the most value to me just because I, I tend to enjoy helping others be successful. And now I, I get to do that in a leadership role. So that's probably one little key detail that feeds into the topic today. You mentioned that you've been involved in every aspect of IT or technology up to and including building uh, computers from the ground up. How did that inform your leadership style as you move throughout your career? I will say that it's the thing that eventually forced my understanding of letting go. And so one of the things that's important to me is realizing that your team, they have a specific talent that you hired them for. And you, as a leader or a manager, you can't do everything. Even though you might get into situations where you can do it faster, you can do it better. It doesn't provide opportunities for other people. And you can't do everything. You can't take the world on your shoulders and carry it. And so from a hands-on perspective, one, it gave me a really good look at what tech is, how it's used within a variety of different industries. And it, it gave me the skills to understand who's good at it and who's not good at it, which helps with team selection. But it also created this sense, as I said earlier, that I might want to do it myself because I can do it faster or better. And when things are in a time crunch, there's oftentimes this pressure to do it that way. But it also led to my realization that 
as my team grows and as my responsibilities grow, I can't do everything. And so I need to learn or I needed to learn how to trust the team that I hired, that they are capable and competent. And I need to put them in situations that will allow them to express that competence and be successful. And in doing so, I'm able to actually juggle more balls as an organization than if I were to just go it alone. You brought out the point, you can't do everything, even though you might be able to do things faster or better than what the team can. How did you build the capacity to back off and not jump in? What was your process that got you to the point of letting go, realizing that you can't do everything? I will actually say that's an ongoing thing. I I learned early on in my career, there's always going to be too much to do. And you always run into situations where everybody thinks something is a crisis or it's urgent and it has to be done today. And the truth is it doesn't all have to be done today. There are not enough hours in the day to do everything that everybody thinks that they need done. And so as a tech leader, it's our responsibility to try to assess what is the priority and focus on those things. And what we end up finding out is the squeaky wheels and the things that align with the corporate strategy or the goals of the organization, those are the things that are always going to rise to the top. And when you make sure that those things are handled and they're handled in a timely and an efficient manner, then the other things, they tend to go away or they become the next thing that you work on. I've not run into many situations where I've sat down and prioritized what I thought were the most important things. And in the end, somebody else came to me and said, hey, this was more important. It's usually a case of they come to the realization that there's something more important. Part of that is through communication. If somebody comes to me and says, I need this done and I need this done today, one of the approaches that I try to take is saying to them, okay, I've got these things and these things are, are important for this reason. If yours is more important than one of these things, then we need to sit down with those individuals and have a conversation around, is yours more important or theirs more important? So something can give. And oftentimes what they'll say is, okay, when can you get to it? And then you can sit down and say, based on the priorities, this is when I think I can get it done. And usually people walk away happy. Once in a while, you'll have that conversation where somebody really thinks that it's important and you go have a conversation with somebody else and see if there's some wiggle room to fit this in. But ultimately, it's about communication and about prioritization. Normally, we're calling out frameworks and work processes at the end of the show. But just in that little bit, we've already mapped out a a framework or work process that we can actually employ. When you're building the skill or building the learning and the capacity to realize that you can't do everything and you need to remove yourself from every little thing that pops up, it's critical for you to be able to communicate, prioritize, build consensus and gain agreement. So there's a four-step framework right there, and we're not even 10 minutes into the conversation. (laughs) So let's get into the meat of the discussion. This show is all about how do you build a high-performing team, especially when you're in a small to mid-sized organization that is running really lean. When you think about your career, Don, and all the things that you've experienced, I want you to pull out that game-changing realization that you had that really accelerated your ability to build a high-performing team? And ultimately, it's trust. As leaders, we have to hire people that have specific skills for 
what it is that we're trying to work on, whether that's software development, whether it's cloud architecture, whether that's security, you're going to hire people that fit within sort of the requirements of the role. And if you've done your job as a manager or a leader, you're picking people who have the right skills to make that role a success. As I said, being somebody who was an in individual contributor, I, I got really good at my job. Being an individual contributor doesn't make you good at managing. That's more of a people skill. That's more about prioritization. That's more about organizing work. As a leader, it's not going to help directly, but it helps you understand the people that you're working with and that you're leading so that you can understand what they're capable of and what the specific situations need. If you're a leader that hasn't had experience in the roles that you're leading, oftentimes you're going to struggle because you don't know if what they're telling you is correct or if, if it's just what they think you want to hear. For me, being an individual contributor, it, it made it hard at first to let go because I, I want the company to be successful. I want the team to be successful. And what I found early on was that I would struggle with that idea of I can do it better. I can do it faster. Therefore, I'm just going to do it. That oftentimes would breed some resentment because there's opportunities that I could give to somebody that I'm not giving them. It got to the point in my career where there was enough going on that I had to let something go. I, I had to take that step of saying, I can't do it all. Therefore, I need to let others help. In the moment that happened, I, I started seeing a shift in the team itself. They started to enjoy their work more. They started coming to me looking for feedback, looking for advice on how to tackle different issues. In the end, it started to garner more trust from them to me and me to them. And it shifted more from task management to here's your project. Now let's work on the skills needed so that you can be successful at it. And so it's less of a me assigning work and more of a here are the things that I see you do well and here are the things that I need you to work on so that this will be a little bit more successful. There's a few things that you mentioned that I, I'd like a little bit more detail. One of the things that you mentioned when it comes to building trust was your point about understanding capability. One of the signposts that you needed to reach was you need to get a deep understanding of capability of the people that you hired. What were some of the steps that you took early on that helped you better understand capability on the front end so that you could build the trust in those people to let go? The answer is relatively simple. It, it starts with a conversation during the planning phases of just about any project. There are a set of requirements for everything that needs to get done. And going through those requirements with the people that are going to be working on it allows you to understand where they're comfortable and where they're not. When they're not comfortable with a specific area, you've got a couple of options. You can bring somebody else in that maybe is comfortable and there can be a handoff, or you can take this as an opportunity to get them some training that will allow them to be more successful both in that project and in the future with other projects that are similar. Um, I tend to go the route of making sure that they either get upskilling or training 
or a mentor that has a little bit of experience with that that can guide that portion of the process for them. Really solid there. There's another thing that I'd like you to expand on. You mentioned that once you've understood the capability, the scenario that triggered you into letting go was you realizing that you couldn't control everything. You had too many responsibilities that were pulling you in all sorts of different directions. I'd like you to share a little bit about what was happening between your ears that made you feel like you needed to do something different? The moment that I had that sort of epiphany, it, a lot was going on at that moment. We as an organization were growing. We had a lot of uncertainty at the time. And as a lean organization, you get to a point oftentimes where you're not hiring enough people to have a bench to be able to staff work that might be coming. And so there's oftentimes some internal shifts where people are having to do more than they're normally required to do. And at that moment, for my team, there was a lot going on just in making sure that we can help increase the capabilities of the organization and to modernize several of the key aspects of our infrastructure and our, our main application. We had very few individuals on the team at that moment. There were a lot of things that I was juggling, both from a management perspective, from a, a leadership perspective, and, and realizing that as the company grows, there is an increased need for my team to deliver in a very efficient and cost-effective manner. It was actually a very stressful time. And I came to this realization that something had to give. I said to myself, we can't accomplish everything. Even though I would want to, we can't accomplish everything. And at the time, I was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And I just decided, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think of this from the perspective of what needs to be done in, say, the next year, and then what needs to be done over the course of the next five years. And I started prioritizing a little bit differently at that time and letting some things that I was told was important go to the wayside and say, if they become a squeaky wheel, I'll deal with them. But for now, to me, they're not the most important thing based on what is going on within the organization. And then I took a look at my team and I said, okay, who can help with some of these things? I, I need to start expecting more from my team and I need to give them the opportunity to grow. Just this situation has given me the opportunity to grow. And because I'm somebody who believes that what got you here won't get you there, I oftentimes will sit down and look at a situation and say, do I have the skills that I need today in order to be successful a year from now? If not, then it behooves me to sit down and deal with that and, and get some training and upskill myself, maybe get some mentorship for myself. So I applied that same concept to my team. And I started to see, as I mentioned earlier, a shift in the team itself. We started to get more done and there was this sort of palpable realization that the rest of the management and the rest of the leadership thought we were accomplishing quite a bit and we were getting great accolades. We were getting shout outs saying so-and-so helped us with this issue and it was amazing. Uh, we're glad they're a part of the team and that helped build the confidence of the team. And as I trusted my team more and as they built their confidence from the accolades that came from what we were doing, it was a self-repeating pattern where things just kept getting better and they got more excited about their role 
and they were more interested in saying, hey, I want to learn this because I think it'll help us when we get to this activity. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. I, I absolutely agree with your realization. What got you here won't get you there. That's an important concept for every leader to, to think about, especially if you're early in your career, because what often happens is that many organizations, right or wrong, look at the high performers at the technician level. And we look at any function, your highest technically performing person usually gets promoted into management. And the sooner you can realize that what got you here won't get you to the next level once you're in management, the better off you're going to be. The other thing that struck me about what you were talking about is when we think about customer vendor relationships and you're looking at getting into some sort of purchasing agreement. Vendors will often tell their customers, I'll be your single throat to choke. And that's great in a vendor customer relationship because you always know who is the point person that you need mm -hmm. to go to to resolve everything. But when you apply that concept, the single throat to choke in a management and team environment, that works if your executive team is looking for who is accountable for team performance. But if you as the manager are the bottleneck to anything getting done across the team that really slows things down. And that's what struck me about your observation. Feel free to correct me if I'm misinterpreting what you're saying. That, that is absolutely correct. That is nobody ever intends for that to happen, right? It, it just develops organically. The faster we can come to that realization, the faster we can move out of the way. And then it's more of a guiding the flow through the pipeline instead of being that gate check. I absolutely agree that nobody intends to be that way, but taking it back to what typically happens in organizations, the people that are most likely to get promoted are your high performing technicians at any mm -hmm. function get promoted. And what's a common trait within high performers is that they're typically wired in a way where they don't really see obstacles. They just look at it as, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can get that done. I can get mm -hmm. that done. And that's not really the mentality that you need to be an effective people leader. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. You've mapped out really well in this conversation. How do you build trust? How do you build that, that understanding capabilities? Let's look at it from a lessons learned perspective. When you think about all that stuff that you went through and you're talking to that early stage leader in whatever organization that they're in, knowing what you know now, what are the things that leader needs to watch out for? I would say that the immediate red flags is going to be your own internal thought. As you go through the process of figuring out who's going to work on which project or who's going to be responsible for a specific activity or process within your organization, you need to be looking at what you're saying to yourself as you're assigning those priorities and those responsibilities. If you find yourself saying, I'm going to take that on because it's important and because I'm not sure that I can trust other people to do it, then that's an issue and you need to deal with that sooner rather than later. If you are running into a situation where 
you're not able to assign something to your team very often and it's a skill issue, that's an issue that you need to deal with and you need to deal with it quickly. Your excuses for not assigning something are going to be the biggest red flag in this entire process. If you have an excuse for not assigning something to somebody, that's a point at which you need to to start doing something. And maybe it's, it's a performance issue with a specific individual, or it's a skill issue that you need to tackle and make sure that those skills exist within your portion of your organization or your team, or it's a a trust issue on your part. If you don't take the time to say, I'm going to trust my team because I hired them. I know what skills they have. Um, I hired them for a reason. Therefore, I'm going to trust myself. That's going to be a failure right there. Almost everything that I just said really starts with whether or not you trust yourself. If you trust that you hired the right people, then you should have no problem going through and assigning people responsibilities and having faith that they're going to get it done and you become that mentor. When I opened the show, uh, I talked about why a bias for action and speed is critical for building a high-performance organization. And throughout the conversation, we've talked about action at various levels. Uh, We've talked about action at the team level, at the enterprise level, at the individual level. I want you to tie this together when we're thinking about doing the things that we need to do to build a high performance organization. What are the right actions that need to be taken at speed that will help you build that organization, build trust, build capability? As you go through this process, trust becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. The minute you say, I'm going to trust this individual, your relationship changes. And as long as you take the actions that are appropriate for that type of relationship, then you're going to start to see things snowball. And when I say appropriate actions, it's investing in them, making sure that they have the skills and the training that that they need right this minute, but where you see them going from a career perspective. And so making sure that you're taking the time to invest in them for the future, that builds additional trust outside of you just trusting them to accomplish a specific project or task. Making sure that you give them critical feedback, frequent feedback, in-the-moment feedback is going to help with that trust as well. Because if you're delivering it the right way, it becomes, I believe in you. Here are some things that I need you to work on, and this is why they're going to help your success. It it changes the dynamics of the relationship, and it becomes less of you dictating work and more of you helping them grow. And those two sort of actions build this repetitive speed where they trust you more. They don't want to let you down. They're going to work harder. They're going to invest more in the job and the project themselves because they want it to be successful and they want it to be a good reflection upon you. And at the same time, as it reflects on me, I need to be reflecting it back on them and making sure that people in the organization know that this good work was them, not me. It's less about you as a leader and it's more about shining the light on them. And that creates this need to get things done faster so that they can be, they can show their success and their growth. 
I like how you wrap that up at the end where you said it's it's less about you and more about the people around you and how you can put them into positions of success. When we're talking about the right kind of speed, the right kind of bias for action, you have to be oriented to be outward focused, to, to be team focused and people centric versus you centric. Don, this has been a great conversation. When we look at the topic of building trust across your organization, having a bias for action and speed. Tell us what are the key things that folks out there need to think about when they're building their leadership capabilities into what's best for the team. I was going to start with an internal look. One of the things that I try to do is look back at all of the situations that I encounter over a week, over a month, over a quarter, a year, whatever. And I try to be a little bit self-reflective and say, is there something that I could have done differently? Is there something I could have done better? And try to get to the bottom of what was the cause of that reaction or action. And then in figuring out what the cause is, you're usually able to identify what you could have done different, differently and then start to apply that going forward. Early on, you need to understand why you might not trust your team to do something. And oftentimes that's not a them thing, that's a you thing. It's usually because you can't give control or you don't actually trust them. And you need to get to the heart of why that is. Once you start to give that trust, it becomes easier and it becomes a, a muscle memory sort of situation where you go into new situations and the first thing you do is start to trust. But the next thing is figuring out what you need and what you need to grow from the perspective of helping your team grow. Your responsibility is to help your team be successful. And in order for that to happen, you have to grow, but you have to grow in a way that you can provide what the team needs in order to be self-sufficient and successful. So that might be leadership training. That might be a better understanding of how to coach and mentor people, or it might be a better understanding of how to prioritize or help train other individuals within your team. There's a whole host of things, but I would say those are the two key things that you need to start with early. Where can people find you if they want to have a more detailed conversation about the things that we talked about? I'm on LinkedIn. They can reach out to me. It's real easy. Speaking from a personal perspective, here are the things that stood out to me. One was your comment about watching your inner voice and really taking inventory about what it's telling you. Because depending on what it's telling you, it should inform how quickly you're assigning things to the team, how deeply you're observing the results coming from what you've assigned, and then your bias for action to coaching them to the desired results, and then communicating the vision and how that connects to everything that you're trying to do in pursuit of the company goals. I appreciate you hanging out with us and sharing your, your expertise. For those of you who have listened, Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you give us a rating and also tell us how the conversation was. And tune in next time where we'll have another great leader sharing with us their game-changing experience that helped them build a high-performing team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.